Welcome to another episode of Mayhem Couch Sessions. Joining us on the couch tonight is none other than Unlisted Leaf, Uncle Ando. Ando is one of the largest Pokemon YouTubers in the world, and we are blessed that we've been able to work with him closely now for nearly a year. He has continued to be, throughout the time he has given to Mayhem and myself, a true inspiration to his fans, those that aspire to achieve what he has in the space, and honestly one of the most genuine people I've had the pleasure of speaking with. His passion for all things Pokemon and the adventures that come along with it it's contagious and it truly reflects in the time and effort he gives to his fans. In this episode, we talk all things Pokemon, the future of Pokemon, our thoughts on the latest sets, what's new in the world of Ando, where did it all start, tips and tricks for growing your own platform, and much, much more. Enjoy. Are you ready to begin? Humans and Pokemon. I present to you the collective. Hey, this is podcast. It's crazy. No, it's sophisticated. Awesome. Some fellas collect stamps. We collect information. We collect everything. You're listening. You're listening? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. It's mayhem. It's mayhem. The famous collectibles guy. Let's do this. Come on, let's have some fun. Welcome to Mayhem Couch Sessions. I'm here with Ando, Unlisted Lee. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too. I thought it was originally Mayhem uh, Couch Confessions. Couch I was confessions. Like, what, what are we uh, confessing today? But. I like really? this. Yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. like confessing today. And, uh, I don't know. What can you get out of me? Let's do it. <laughs> well, I'm, let's on the red, I'm on the psychiatrist red couch here. Yeah, so absolutely. I could lay down and uh, get your big notepad out. You got, yeah, you got the professor glasses on. I've got the professor go. glasses on, yeah, yeah. man. How dare you make fun of my spectacles? <laughs> you're just your notepad and you're good to go. Oh, man. Mayhem I have to wear them for therapy. a week. I have to wear them for a week. You have to wear them for a week. I have what to happened? wear them for a week. Um, like headaches and stuff like that. So oh. the uh, optometrist is like, get these on, yeah? See how you go after a week. They Talk look good. to me. I think glasses. They look good. Uh, they, they elevate the IQ. Oh, thanks, level. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel smarter. You do? Yeah. Good. We'll see. Good. We'll see how this ends up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to, man? Been making a lot of videos. I've been, uh, we usually try to get like one or two videos out a week. Yeah. But I think I'm working on videos every single day, even on the weekend. So Monday through to Sunday, every single day, wake up, make sure I record before like 12 o'clock after I have my coffee and post 12 o'clock, like take all the meetings, do some of the editing, make sure we're getting the footage in the right places and come up with brand new ideas. But yeah, it's a lot of work, a lot of, uh, a lot of YouTube uh, recording and Pokemon card opening. Yeah, man. Sorting out cards. So how involved are you in sort of that creative process? Obviously, you're the guy, you know, in front of the camera, in yeah. front of the lens. You're the personality. Yeah. But in terms of the back end, the production, yeah. how much input do you have? Pretty much the whole thing. Like if uh, – I've always like thought about this. I think YouTube, other YouTubers always complain to me. They're like, oh, like I can't believe I've got to come up with all these ideas. I've got to come up with like the script. I've got to come up with the filming and the editing. But I think that's more if you want to be an actor, that's where like that's perfect. But for a YouTuber, I think you got to do the whole lot. So for me, I'd like sit there in the afternoon sometimes. I've got like a big whiteboard and I think like, oh, what videos like would I like to record uh, this week? Whether it's like maybe me going on a shopping spree at a vending machine or whether it's like me completing an entire set. Uh, I'll just write them all down on a whiteboard and then I pick out like my three favorites. And, like, they're the videos that I really want to make this week. And then we work out how we're going to try and make them. And uh, yeah, just draw out from there. But usually like, yeah. I'm involved in the whole process. And once I've come up with the idea, we'll go and get my cameraman, we'll go and shoot the shoot the content over that week, and then we'll put it all into the computer, and then I like to roughly chop it up. I form the video how I'd like, like it to look, and then I send it off to my editor. We had a really good editor, Woodsy, who's like, yeah. really, he's been a huge help for the past couple of years, and he helps put his spin on, get the music going, get the titles, the, yeah, chopping up even further, it cuts out my bad jokes. Sometimes I put a joke in there and I'm so proud of it. I'm like, this is going to be a fantastic one at the start of the video. And then he sends back the draft and the joke's cut. 
was like, oh, Woodsy, no. what is wrong with the joke? And he's like, Ando. It just wasn't funny. I was like, oh, but it so was. So he'll chop out the bad jokes and yeah. fix it all up. Then once Woodsy gets it to me, I'll then come up with a rough thumbnail idea. So we're like posing against white walls. We're like holding up Pokemon cards. Then we'll like screenshot that. And then I'll send it to my thumbnail guy. And that takes way longer than it should. That's like a two day gone back and forth, like really trying to grind out the right thumbnail. Yeah. And I know you're probably looking at the YouTube thumbnail saying that should not take that long. It is a grind trying to get the perfect thumbnail because that's like if no one's going to click your video, they're not going to watch it. So I've heard about this. I've yeah. heard about how excruciating getting the right thumbnail can be. And Huge. I know a lot of and I've heard a lot of content creators talk about how important that thumbnail is because if no one's clicking on the video, no it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many uh, how many hours you've spent on it or how good the actual content is. Yeah. Do you, no, you find it's got to set it set apart from all of the others as well? Yes. Yeah, so they, they get very same samey. Well, that's the thing. Mm. You'd always got to make sure like when you're creating your video, you give it a quick like YouTube search. Like has anyone else done this mm. like type of video before? And then if they have, usually like they've got the best thumbnails ever. You're like, oh, what am I possibly going to do? So you really have to think like, how's my video going to be different? How's my thumbnail going to look different? And then that leads to like, yeah, two days worth of just trying different facial expressions, trying different like <laughs> sets and different like Photoshop, different like cards and what's going to look really nice. And the landscapes also changed. There was a period where thumbnails were all, you take a photo in front of what you're opening and like, that's good. That's like all done. And now it's become very Photoshop heavy. You want like the nice grass in the background. And that's just where it is at the moment. And like tomorrow yeah. it could change again. Mm. So it's going to be up to date and like, what are people like really liking uh, thumbnail wise and there's so much research you could do into that so i don't i don't go like too deep into it otherwise i thought my head would explode if i'm always like looking at percentages but you're roughly going to uh, try to stay on trend well the fact that you've got a thumbnail guy yeah yeah sort of suggests <laughs> how important it is having that on your linkedin profile <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah unless it's like thumbnail guy yeah. <laughs> i think that is is in a twitter bio if you do search it up really yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah so when you're preparing a script for these videos is there an actual script because I've seen you a lot in my shop during yeah. the trade days and the crazy videos that we filmed here. Yeah. And I've never seen you go off of a script. Yeah. I've never seen anything remotely suggestive of the fact that it's scripted. Yeah. Do you prepare a script or is a lot of it sort of ad lib? Nah, I think if I had a script, I'd like always be stuttering and stopping and thinking like, oh, what was the next line? Like, what was I supposed to say here? I love, what, I love YouTube. And I think the reason I'm so in love with it is because I don't ever have to use a script. And I always like struggled when, I got my first of a brand deal and I can't remember what the company was, but they gave me a script and like, I would love to you to say this in a video. And I remember it took me so long to record the brand deal because I'm like, oh, I've never actually uh, used a script before. I'm always going off the top of my head saying like, just what comes into my head. And that's the fun of YouTube to me because it's such a homemade process yeah. that you can just be, you can whip out the camera, be yourself for 10 minutes, upload it. And that's a really, really good video. So I've just never changed that. I've always been like, if I don't, if I don't have to use a script, I won't. And to this day, I'm just like, it's all just off the top of my head. If I see something cool, I'm like, oh, let me like, let's put the camera on and record it. And honestly, YouTube, the more genuine, the better. Like, you don't want to be faking stuff. You just want to be like putting the camera on and like, it'll capture the moment naturally. And in the moment, you might not think that's really entertaining content. But when you watch it back, you're like, oh, that's, I'm really glad I, ca yeah. I captured that. It's yeah. the classic thing when you go out, you go, like, go out for a birthday party. You're like, oh, I don't want my picture taken. I don't want my picture taken. Yeah. You get home, you're like, oh. Don't look at my picture taken. Yeah. So it's in the moment, like try to capture everything. And I guarantee there's like some sort of gold in there. 
Pokemon cards are, are funny with that too because you can't really hide your reaction. Yeah. I mean, everything's happening sort of live. You're yeah. opening it. There's a reaction to it. It's not like you can go, hold on, cut, let me reseal that pack and open it again for it, that perfect exactly one. Exactly right. And I think that's what trained me so disciplined. It's like I could never redo a video. Mm-hmm. You're like I'm never going to reseal a pack. I'm never going to go and buy another $800 booster. You get one shot. You mm-hmm. put that camera on. You make sure it's recording because once you've opened up a first edition Team Rocket pack, like that's it. It's that's open. It. That, yeah. Whatever clip you recorded, that's going on YouTube. Um, and like, you don't have the option not to upload it because you're like, well, I've opened $800 <laughs> yeah. boosters. Like, it's going up no matter what. 100%. So, yeah, it's just never off a script. And it's pretty funny. I filmed like uh, a TV spot uh, earlier this week in Sydney. Had an eight-page script I had to memorize. Yeah, and, I, nice. and I had other like little kids that were on the set. And these kids have been in like movies and stuff. They're so good. They're like, they had all their lines nailed. And I went into the set and I reckon like every single time I'd like, I wouldn't nail it on the first go. And on the second go, I'd be like, director, can you start me off with the line? Yeah. I just, I keep forgetting. Like, I'm so bad at memorizing stuff. So it's a thing I need to get better at because I'm just not used to. They should have just let you go, man. Well, I, I told the director this. I got, <laughs> I got to set and I was like, guys, I mean, I read the top of the script and it said improv is allowed. So I'm very excited. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we should try and sk- like stick to what's on the script here. I was like, oh, yeah. no. So, yeah, I think I'm just more uh, ad lib off the top of my head. But, yeah, it's YouTube. Keeping it genuine, I think, is the best. Absolutely. And I agree. But I think also that there are only a few people that can actually do that. Because two things, and I've been in front of the camera. You forced me there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Right. Yeah. And I was extremely uncomfortable. You were really natural. You are good. Thanks, man. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't fool me for a second. But what I found is you need to be natural in front of a camera. Yeah. You need to have the charisma about you. And you need to be able to hold your train of thought or whatever it is that you're wanting to try to convey. It's not as easy as just getting an iPhone, pressing record, and off you go. Most people look like deer in the headlights. Yeah, so I think I think that's the issue. So I think uh, anyone can do this. I, I really believe that like anyone can do this. Like I do not care if like you think you're the worst public speaker of all time. You would be fantastic on TikTok or YouTube. It's just getting over that uh, deer in the headlights, thinking that the camera is like a big deal. But if mm. like you can get over the fact that um, in your like most likely no one's going to start viewing your content straight away anyway. So yeah. like just get over the fact thinking like oh all these people are going to be judging how my voice sounds, how I'm going to look on camera. As soon as you get over that, like it's it like opens up everything. You don't care anymore. You can just keep talking and talking because you do it anyway. Like yeah. the people that I find are the most camera shy off camera are the most entertaining individuals. So I'm just like, oh, if you got over the fact that you're worried about the camera, I think you would be fantastic on the camera. So I, yeah, I think it is. I think it's not the fact that not anyone can do this because I think everyone can do this. It's the easiest job in the world. But you just got to get over the fact uh, of like. Yeah, of, of putting yourself online, which can be very, very daunting. But you 100% have to put in the work, though. Would you say that? If, yeah, you've been doing this for a while, yeah. so it's a, a bit easier to say. I'll be, you know, easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's it. I think so. Like, I believe anyone can be on camera, but I, I don't. I'm not saying like you'll be instantly famous the next day. Mm-hmm. This is like 10 years of like actual YouTube work on Unlistedly, and then before that, we had another YouTube channel for five years, and then I think I just been on camera and radio my whole life. So, uh, yeah like 20, 28 now. So mm. I reckon I was like first recording, I was like two or three years old. So the whole life I've like been in front of a camera. So I, yeah, I, I think it might be different for someone that hasn't been Absolutely. on camera their whole life. But you touched on something that's very important and I think a lot of people need to hear. It's not, I'm going to put out one video or 10 videos or 20 videos and all of a sudden I'm going to have success. Mm. It's work. You've got to put in your work. Mm-hmm. You've got to perfect your craft. Some people are naturally more gifted than other people, perhaps more charismatic. But you need to be practicing 
you need to be putting it out there and you need to improve. It's not an instant sort of success, is it? Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I remember like every day coming home from school and like just recording three videos, three YouTube videos, whether they're they're gaming videos for another channel, whether Mm. it's like a comedy sketch, I was just so keen to record a video and I could not care less that that was getting 13 views on YouTube. Like that doesn't matter to me. That was like, if I got to record a video, that was so fun. The worst part was editing and like getting it up, but like the recording part I was so excited to do. Um, and yeah, even though it was going to 13 people, I was still so excited to do YouTube. So at the core of it, you have to be excited to do YouTube um, and then it all falls into place. Then then it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Yeah. I want to rewind the clock from Uncle Ando to Nephew Ando. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Ando. Little Ando. Yeah, yeah. And I want to take, because a, a, a lot of our listeners and a lot of our customers know you as Unlisted Leaf, know you as Ando, have mm. seen your videos with millions and millions of views, mm. with your millions and millions of subscribers. But I want to sort of give everyone an introduction. You and I have spoken about this. Mm. Where did this start for you? How did it start for you? And why Pokemon? Yeah, so I think we can go to the first part, like how, how did it start? Where did it start? When I was like really little, like maybe I was four or five, um, I remember there's like, there's videos of me, like when I was three years old, just like being a nuisance, I think around at home. But when I was like four, five, six, I started to develop like, I like, I don't know, I think I watched a lot of TV. So I developed this want to always be on camera and dad loved filming stuff. So in the backyard, I'd be filming the dog. He'd be filming, making like movie trailers and stuff with like the oldest, biggest camera you've ever seen, the oldest editing software, yep. like even on tape, chopping up like film and all that. So he loved filming in camera. And then I also loved like hosting and being on camera. So I was hosting every, we'd have one family vacation a year. That's all we could afford. So our one family vacation, dad would make a home movie about it and it would be a production. Like the only reason we go on holiday is to make this production. Wow. So starting from maybe five or six years old, all the way up until I was like 15, we'd always go on one family holiday a year and that would be like the movie. And I'd always host the main like holiday sort of movie, which would then show to all the family when we got back and it was all edited, which would take like months. Um, and I'd always host it and the family would be the extras, you know, mom, dad, brother, and they'd be in the movies too. But I loved doing that. And then when I found YouTube, when I was like 14 or something uh, or 15, I was obsessed. I was like, this is literally what I'm doing at home, like with my parents and all that. But these guys are like doing it online to like heaps of other people that aren't their family. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? And I just fell in love with YouTube and wanted to make YouTube videos on that day. Like I remember I discovered YouTube that night. And I wrote the first script to my comedy video that night. Wow. So I was instantly in love with it. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And at that point in time, if someone asked me what I wanted to do for a living, because I didn't know what YouTube was, no one really did. My answer was always, I want to be Ellen DeGeneres or Oprah Winfrey. Really? I had that written on all my tests, all my like career interviews. That's all I wanted to be. So I was obsessed with that idea. And when I found YouTube, I'm like, nah, do away with that, guys. We don't need Channel 9. We need YouTube. So started making uh, the YouTube videos. And then the Pokemon stuff, I've been obsessed with Pokemon since I was like a little kid. It got all these photos of me in like Pokemon sweaters. I used to be so obsessed with Pokemon that I didn't want money when I did chores. I wanted Team Rocket Booster Pack, which was the nice. set that was out. So dad would buy a Team Rocket Pack and he'd open it up and he'd give me one card per chore I did. So I got one card per chore and I reckon wow. I accumulated this collection of like 30 cards or something. You did a lot of dishes. So. Oh, it was a lot of mowing the lawn, yeah. like really heavy <laughs> duty stuff. Yeah. And like, I, I think baking was one of them because I hated cooking. They're like, well, if you bake this, like you can get a card. Mm-hmm. So I'd work hard and I don't know what happened. I think mum threw them out in the recycle bin when I was like 10 years old and I didn't think I liked Pokemon anymore. Yep. Um, but I have photos of the collection and I see a first edition Dragonite in there. 
And I was like, oh, that's gone to the recycle bin, guys. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I fell out like a bit when I was like maybe 10, 11 years old. And then I remember like when I was in year 10 at school, my friend's like, you know what's really cool again? You know what I stayed up all last night watching? I was like, watch that. He's like, you got to go home and watch Pokemon card unboxing. Like, what do you mean? Like, what, how are they fun if I'm not doing it? He's like, no, no, they are the coolest videos in the entire world. And I went back to his house that night for a sleepover. And I fell in love with Pokemon card unboxing. Like, this is the sickest thing mm-hmm. I've yeah, ever seen awesome. in my whole life. The opening Sky Ridge packs. And back then, they were like 30 bucks for a booster pack. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to be opening. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I, I just fell in love in year 10. I was like, oh, I got to start collecting again. Bought like a jungle pack for 20 bucks that night on eBay. So, yeah, I love the, I just fell in love. I think year 10, back in love with Pokemon. Yeah. And from falling back in love with Pokemon, yeah. when did you make the decision that that's what you wanted to create? on YouTube as a platform moving forward? So at the time in year 10, when I fell back in love with Pokemon, I was making uh, gaming videos on a separate channel. Okay. So then that video or like that channel got shut down, I think because of a copyright strike or something. So that got completely shut down. So I started Unlisted Leaf, right? And when I started Unlisted Leaf, I started with gaming stuff. And that's why you see the first 20, 30 videos were like, let's play Pokemon. So I like Pokemon and I was like, this would be really fun. So I started playing it. And then that you can tell where my friend showed me Pokemon because I started a series called TCG Saturdays. I was like, all right, guys, I know there's 16 of you that routinely watch all the videos. We're making a big move and we're starting TCG Saturdays. I know not everyone's going to watch it, but I really want to open some boosters. So this weekend we're opening a jungle pack. I know I can't afford the English, so it's the <laughs> Japanese one because I got it for $8, all right? So I started this like series and I did two episodes of TCG Sundays, opened a plasma freeze and I uh, plasma freeze like tin, I think it was. Uh, no, it was before that. It was the set before plasma freeze. So we opened a white Kiram EX tin yep. and a Japanese jungle booster. And then I remember we went on holiday the following weekend. So I couldn't do my TCG weekends, all right? I was on holiday and the whole time I had $150 left in my bank account. I was thinking like, I want a booster box so bad, but that means I got to spend all the money in my bank account to buy this booster box. Mm -hmm. I "I want it so bad. So this week long trip that we did the whole time, I was just thinking, I want to buy this booster box. I got home. I was like, no, pre-order. So I pre-ordered the plasma freeze box. And then uh, I don't know if I ever told the story, but yeah, I pre-ordered the plasma freeze booster box and the following week it like shipped, but the set wasn't meant to come out for like four months. And I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, no way they sent the right box. Like, that's definitely not the right one. And then sure enough, like a week after that, FedEx man delivered plasma freeze booster box. And I can't remember how early it was, but it was early. They mm-hmm. Somewhere they messed up the distributor. But like, it, it, I didn't even go out my way to get it early. I just pre-ordered it off of eBay and it rocked up in my house. Crazy. And I was... That was my first ever booster box I'd bought. And I was so excited to open a booster box. You can watch the video. It's like, I like I went inside of my closet because it was the only area in the house that didn't have enough like reverb in the audio, like echo. So I went inside my closet and I opened up part one and I uploaded it. And then overnight, I got like 20,000 views. And I've been working for like five years on different channels that got 16 views per video. And I knew that moment, I was like, people love me opening Pokemon cards. And I got to give them another video. So the next weekend, I'd like, Go to the news agency and I bought four plasma something, maybe a plasma blast lot. Or hey, no, it's hot gold, soul silver. I went to the news agency, bought four of those, and that video got like 10, 16,000 views. And people were like, love your reactions, like, love uh, how genuine you are. I was like, yeah, because if I pull a $100 card, like, I'm so broke, that's going to be incredible. Why yep. wouldn't anyone be like crazy about that? And like, I have no Pokemon cards, so getting these crazy EXs is the best thing ever. So then I just kept doing it every weekend. And to, to be honest, that's like snowballed into today. 
And it's been doing it for 10 years straight ever since that. Isn't that crazy? Right? That one. That one moment. Like, and I couldn't have even yeah. done it. If I thought like I value my $150 a lot more, yeah. I'm going to save it for something else. Uh, it might not have happened. Because you and I both know that if you're able to secure something well before it comes out, people are going to tune in. Yeah, but you want to do it like ethically. You don't want to go out your way to get the go out, go your way and like I don't know steal the product or no. If, it, if it's genuine, like something like that happens, it's like the craziest story of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it becomes so. this big spring pad for Ex- you to sort of lift off from. Yeah, I think you, it blew me away. I think seeing that many people that were interested in Pokemon cards that were laying dormant. I was like, oh my gosh, like how are there 20,000 people in this world that are keen to watch Pokemon card unboxing? And yeah, it's just a matter of like, all right, well, if this many people want to watch like this one, let's do another one, let's do another one. And it just blew me away that there was that big a crowd still into Pokemon at that time. I mean, it blows me away that we're sitting on a couch in a card store in Adelaide mm. and I'm sitting across from someone with 3 million subscribers who's made his life uh, through content creation, Yeah, you know, and his living. And we are talking about it before. Uh, before we started the podcast about now you know kids come into the store and you interact with them and you speak to them and you know they always want to they always talk about wanting to be a content creator a streamer a youtuber when they grow up yeah and it's not just yourself but the other creators from adelaide that i've met i don't know man we're a creative hub here aren't we it's good i think adelaide's so underrated like everyone loves uh dissing adelaide like you go to sydney or something even the taxi drivers first thing they say like oh adelaide like why are you from there you're like no nah, mate it's like underrated it's yeah, so man. cool and like because it's so small i think you can network very well you don't really even network you just become good friends with everybody absolutely i don't really like the term networking like, like oh you network well and i'm like no I'm just good friends with these other youtubers yeah. i just meet these other people and it's so small. Um, there is like a little family in Adelaide, which is fantastic. We're so blessed that we have the opportunity to have people like yourself come to our trade days and interact with fans. I mean, you've seen how crazy trade days get here. Yeah, it's nuts. We bought bollards just for you, man. Yeah, it's it's wild. I never thought it would consistently be like that. I thought yeah. the first trade day, if I meet like, I don't know how many fans it was, hundreds of fans. I was like, all right, that's great. Cool. Met the fans. No one's going to show up again. I'm not that. I don't, mm. I don't deserve like that many people showing up. <laughs> but the fact like we've done so many of them now and people keep turning up, it's awesome. Not only do people keep turning up, I've had to put barbecues on outside to yeah. those entertained that have lined up yeah, for nuts, hours just it? to see you. We've, got a, we've introduced a ticketing system just for Ando. Yeah. And it continuously blows me away at the reception that we get from fans, young, old, and in between that just come here not just to trade as part of the community, but to see and spend time with yourself. And oh my God, they're so graciously wanting to give up their cards to you to help you fill your sets. Yeah, I feel so really bad. Into it. People were like giving away their rainbow rare Pikachu's or something. I was like, no, 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 like don't give it to me. Like, let me trade you for oh, it. Oh man. But it, but it goes to show you how interactive and engaging your community actually Absolutely, is. Yeah. When you put on a video and say, hey guys, I'm really looking for this particular card or I'm really wanting to finish this set. Yeah. They've come in here days before you're scheduled to be here going, okay, Ando needs this, yeah. this, this, this. We need to get him that yeah. so we can have it ready to give to him. Mate, some of the craziest stories are those kids that, so like I did a video where I wanted to complete the whole Crown Zenith set and I'm like, I want to do the whole binder. And I mentioned this in a video like, a week prior to me coming in and doing the trade day to complete the binder. And a kid, I can't remember who it was, he had screenshot. Like I just showed the binder. Didn't yeah. even mention that this was the empty slot. He had recognized that that was the binder that had my set that was incomplete in it. Screenshot the frame of the video and then worked out in individually the cards that were missing in the binder. Come in here, 
bought all of the cards that I was missing so that when I showed up on trade day, he'd have all the cards there. It's the most wild story that he's like gone to all that effort. It's like yeah. a detective man. I'm nodding my head. People can't see that, obviously. But I'm nodding my head because I was here with him yeah. whilst he was showing me. Crazy. And we had a book. We had the Crown Zenith book yeah. so that he could work out which ones were missing. And it is nuts. That is the wildest story ever. Like, you don't think that when you make the video. I just make it in the video because I think it's fun to open Pokemon cards. And like, then there's someone like keen to help me complete the set. It's so sick. There's someone out there. And it's amazing. It's amazing that they bring uh, being drawn into mayhem too. I mean, I yeah. sort of pride myself on doing things differently here and having these sort of interactive days. And a big part of it's about education. I think you're a great ambassador for that because you help so much with the understanding, not only of Pokemon, but the culture around it. And the fact that it should be a positive thing. It should be a positive community. But when people come in here and they say, I've flown my family from Perth because Ando is going to be here. And this is our family trip that we go on once a year. And we've decided it's going to be your shop. Ando's here. This is the greatest day of our lives. Yeah. Now that that blows my mind and still doesn't make any sense to me. Like to someone to fly interstate just to meet me on like trade days, crazy. I do not feel like I deserve that at all. We just met someone that flew from Melbourne just to come to the shop and uh, meet me prior to the podcast. Yep. That is nuts to me as well. Uh, those, those ones, yeah, some of those stories just blow my mind. Like when I go to America and do some of these meet and greets, some of their stories like flying from like one side of America to another. We flew eight hours to me. I'm like, oh, I do not deserve this at all. Wow. Bud. Like should have messaged me on Instagram. I would have mm. given you a video or something. Like we didn't need to spend that on flights, but. I disagree. I think you are worth it. Nah. <laughs> because I will, I will say one thing. So many times I've, I've been in here during the absolute craziness yeah. that is a trade day with Ando. Yeah. And trying to serve customers and get around to everyone, everyone's there to see you. You are going at it four or five hours nonstop and you are never faltering in making sure that everyone that's lined up yeah. is getting the time that they deserve with you. And I think that that's to be applauded because you, you look at a lot of you know uh, celebrities or well-known personalities and you hear all these stories. You hear stories, sometimes it's ego, sometimes it's a very brief encounter, Some sometimes it's not what you think it is. And every single time, hat off to you, you give everyone that's coming here the acknowledgement of having waited for you. And I think it's important. What a lot of people don't understand either is, and I know you, and I know you on a personal level, and I know that days always haven't been great, mm. and you're tired, mm. and you've been exhausted, and you've flown from one country to the other, <laughs> yeah. right? And you've come in here the next day, and you've got a million other things going on, yeah. and it never, ever seems to affect you and the effort that you give to those kids and yeah. fans and i think that's to be applauded oh, i really appreciate that i think i just see myself and like a lot of the a lot of the kids that come up like i literally was like that pokemon card fan and even if like the, the like child or even like some like 50 year old people that still watch like the videos even if they are like number what, 110 in line they've been waiting like hours to meet me and i'm like exhausted after like hours of meeting they, like they should not get a worse experience or like they should not get like more tired ando than the number one people in line because like they waited so long. Like so everyone has to have like I want everyone to have the greatest experience meeting me. And um if they want to do a pack battle, like let's do a pack battle. If they want yeah. to trade cards, let's trade cards. And I'm just so genuinely grateful that they do watch the content and that they would put the effort into rocking up to just trade Pokemon cards. It's the coolest thing in the world. And I think I can see, yeah, I can see myself in a lot of the smaller like collectors as well. I'm like, oh, I was I was collecting this hard. Like yeah. I remember what the grind was like. So yeah, it's just really, really fun. So when it comes to collecting, do you still collect per se or is a lot of it now 
just about going to that next set, opening for that next set, and then getting yourself pretty much completed. I know you give a lot of stuff away. Yeah. I know you give <laughs> a ton too, of stuff too much. away. Yeah. <laughs> way, yeah. way too much. But so do I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know it's, it's, it's bad, fun. isn't it? You, it's so it's so great when you do give it away. You look back, you're like, oh, I gave away so many evolving skies. Oh I bet God. there's a moon brion in there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Nah, I feel you, man. But do you still have a collection that you sort of go back to and that you feel every now and again when you can? Yeah, so like I don't think there's like a collection where there's blank spots missing. My collections now are like I build out the coolest binder that I think it makes me personally happy. So at the moment, I'm building out a binder of like Neo cards that I really enjoy. So a bunch of shining stuff and really cool artwork holo cards. Got another like E-series binder with some really nice artwork from the E-series. But I'm not huge into like collecting complete sets. The modern ones, I love doing it because they're really fun for the videos yeah. and like the sets out so I can do it. But the older stuff, I don't really want to get too into like make sure I complete every set. A to B. So I just go back and I'm like, I really like the artwork of this old school card. Let's put it into a binder. And I have all these cool binders now of like cool cards I enjoy the artworks of. And a little bit of sealed, but sealed's very expensive. So we try not to dive too deep into the sealed world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Ando goes broke trying to finish his Sky Ridge collection. <laughs> oh, man. It went, like, don't put it past me. Like, the, yeah, I could, I could go broke very fast, I think, if I uh, fixated on one individual set to go after. So we try to keep it more broad in general so we can fund the, the newer collection and then the older stuff as well. Isn't it funny? I've recently gone back into collecting E-Series. I honestly Ooh. think E-Series is one of the most underrated sets. Mate, the artwork is so good. Yep. It's like I just bought this Flareon from Sky Ridge, the yep. hollow one. Gorgeous. Beautiful. So beautiful yeah. every every card's a banger yeah. it is i mean aquapolis expedition sky ridge i don't really care about finishing sky ridge over expedition i'll, I'll pick whichever artwork i like the most yeah yeah keep and the, i want to fill out the bank sort of account the and check then yeah i'll try man yeah yeah, yeah. Good, I to try. See. good to see doesn't work very well for me but at the same time i'm funny like i i don't i don't collect charizards yeah well that's a i've got a rule okay i've yeah, got yeah. a rule so <laughs> a lot of the stuff like collecting Charizards and Pikachu. I yeah. mean, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Yeah, Pikachu. Oh, I just Huge. met a really big Pikachu collector in New Zealand. And like, yeah. he didn't even have all the Pikachus that I think I saw more than I've ever seen in my entire life. So there's so many of them out there. Same with Charizard as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. But, you know, two of the most famous mm. staples of Pokemon, really, that, that people collect. I don't know. I just go on sort of individual artwork or what I like. Yeah, that's exactly what I, I think. I think the, mo the, the most mainstream Pokemon that I do collect, I'm a Gengar boy. You are. I am a Gengar A boy. kid just came in here with a Gengar chain on. So I know. Surprised you didn't uh, try to Trade for it. I'll yeah, have that yeah. <laughs> Well, the one that pulled the Miriam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have traded him for it. I know. No, I just, uh, that, that's the one Pokemon that I've always liked. A little bit cheeky, a little He's bit cool. mischievous. He's very cool. Yeah. But even he, man, I did not realize how many cards of his there are. It's a lot, isn't there? There is. Yeah. And it depends how far back you want to go. Yeah. I like trying to complete the full art sets. Ooh. Um. But then I got to give it up to the Sky Ridge. Mm -hmm. I got to give it up to the the Expedition. Yeah, you know, and they're not cheap. No, I know, <laughs> they're I know. Not cheap. And tracking down particular cards in the right yeah. condition is also very, very tough. Because you like, you don't know whether to trust eBay. You don't know whether you want to go in store to buy them. So trying to find them as well is like a tricky part. But that's all part of the fun. If you got a, it is all part of the fun. Yeah, it is all part of the fun. So when you're when you're opening now, are you opening just to give them away? Uh, no, I'm still actually still like collecting a lot of the cards that uh, we open up and like the more like modern sets. Yeah. So Scarlet and Violet, every booster box I open, chucking all like the rainbow rares, chucking all like the sparkly cards. They go into the binder. If we double up, then yes, we give them away okay. or we trade them. 
but all the cards I haven't doubled up on usually go into the collection unless there is like a giveaway element to the video. So yeah. what are your thoughts on the modern sets versus the more vintage sets? So if we look at vintage as being, I guess, no, I'm not going to say sun and moon, black and white. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think the, the modern sets are fantastic uh, if you're collecting at the time. Uh, so vintage is so hard to access, I think, for a lot of smaller people getting just started into yeah. Pokemon. Because I think it's so daunting if you just get into Pokemon and you're like, oh, I want to make, like, I want to collect the first set ever made, the base set. Oh, no, I've got to spend like $800 on one booster pack. Like, that's why, that's why modern's there. You buy like the $6 booster. It's perfectly designed to just get like new people in. You get your two holo cards now or your two reverses per the booster pack. And it's like, it's a lot of fun doing uh, more modern collecting if you're just getting into the TCG. But so, so going back to it, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with what you're saying. I think that the modern sets are the most accessible sets to get into. Mm. I think the artwork in Pokemon's never been better mm. and more enjoyable. Um, and, you know, part of it is these sets seem to be getting a little bit smaller than what they were early Sword and Shield. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were getting pretty big at the same time. They, they, they have got a bit better. And they've got more like cool illustration rares now and stuff. So Big Japanese influence. Yeah. So big Japanese influence coming from a time where you know, trainer galleries. Trainers are a massive deal in Japan. We still know how crazy trainer cards go for. Miriam over $1,000. Yeah, man. Crazy. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, the Japanese culture combining trainers with their Pokemon, mm. as we know at the trainer gallery. Yeah. And then moving into the Galarian gallery. Yeah. And now we just have this incredible artwork that's yeah. part of its own gallery in its own set. Do you feel the direction that Pokemon's going is the right direction? Yeah, I th 100%. I think, I think there are, like, there's so much hype behind Scarlet and Violet at the moment. Like, I think that to me just screams that they've done like, the right thing. And the, uh, the only like, downside is the prices are getting more expensive now uh, for different products. So a lot of people don't like that, but they're trying to like, try their best to combat it. So I think it's inevitable with like, inflation and all that. Um, but I think the, the direction they've gone with Scarlet and Violet is really exciting. They've like really tried to like always up the TCG every time they like uh, turn over a brand new set. And, like we want to make at least a bit of a change in this one. And yeah, I think the direction's the correct direction. Do you think it's the right direction? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, at the same time, it's polarizing because you have those Pokemon purists that were around for base set and yeah, have stuck around and they want things to go back to a simpler time that's my argument in my head it's like everyone you know? always complains like oh like a hollow back in the day meant so much and now it doesn't mean so much yeah mm. that's right and you, you do have that mm. you do have that feeling i was i'm old yeah. so i was around when when you mentioned before your uh your into pokemon was team rocket yep. mine was base set yeah and yeah. so when base set was around that charizard hollow meant something yeah. That Blastoise, Venusaur, Trio meant something. Sick. It was so hard to pull. Yep. Having said that, I was a kid. I didn't have the money to buy booster boxes. Mm -hmm. I was just ripping packs, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now I've got booster box money. Yeah. I'm opening packs by the booster box. Yeah. So are my hits, is it easier? Yeah, probably because I'm buying it by the box as opposed to what it was. When it was a pack. When so you I'd, saved your week's worth of chore money. Yeah, yeah. but you know, buy one thing. You, you bought your one pack. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And chances are, by the time Pokemon started and finished, you maybe bought a box worth yep. of packs yep. until Fossil came out or, or Jung and, and you moved forward from that. So how much of a chance did you actually get to get that Charizard versus now when you're buying it from the box and you're opening by the box? Yeah. You're able to get these hits. Yeah. And they're still few and far between. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm pulling 
you know, out of Scarlet Violet. I'm not pulling a Miriam out of every box. Yeah. It's taking me a long time to get this. And at the end of the day, you want the kid that can only afford one booster pack to be having a good experience. Absolutely. So they tick that box and in my mind it's fantastic. Because I know like, yeah, not everyone can afford a booster box that's like me at one stage for sure. So if I could only, if I only had my $7 and I like in Australia, that's like what one booster would be. What can I buy? One booster. Am I going to have a good experience opening it? Yes. They're doing the right thing then. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It makes it a lot more. Yeah. It makes it a lot more accessible. Before it was just a lot of Pidgeys. It was a lot of Caterpies. It was. It, it was, was a lot of, you know. Regular rare Electabuzz. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what I mean. So you went sort of through the pain without anything else mm-hmm. to substitute it. Yeah. It's it's weird. I like the direction that they're taking with the artwork. I like the way that Pokemon feels. I like the fact that trainers are shown with their Pokemon because it personalizes the world more. Yeah. It creates that, you know, that art set for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, I still love my old nostalgic sets team rocket's my oh, favorite mate. it's still it, like you can go back to old sets and like, nothing beats that feeling especially if you have the nostalgic connection to it nothing beats that looking through old binders and like i think honestly i think one of the biggest dopamine hits like the best thing you could ever do is finding your old pokemon cards like i trust you, you speak to any pokemon card collector the number one story they'll quickly tell you is the time they found x or the time yeah. that they like found this like that's yeah. always their story, and I think or how the much most... they threw away. Oh, that try. Okay, that <laughs> to be honest, that is how I get that one a lot more. It's like you wouldn't believe it. I had the first Charizard, and they threw it away. I think I've encountered five hundred people that threw away one first edition Charizard. Yeah, everyone seems to have done that. Yep. But yeah, I think everyone uh, has discovered old Pokemon cards, and that feeling is unbeatable. That's like my number one thing. So yeah, I think I think old Pokemon cards always going to be special. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I really like the, I'm not, a, I can admittedly not a huge uh, collector, but I really love the story ones that have their, their Oh own. yeah, the evolution yeah, lines. Yeah, the evolution yeah. lines. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, me, yeah. I mean, that would get me excited to collect those. Yeah. So just because that's, uh, well, the artwork is insane, obviously. But, yeah, uh, like Fuku Fu Coco and then like Evolves and yeah. then you get Skelly Dirge and they're like yeah. going to one. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. You got the Gardevoir that starts off. That's those right, rolls that's a big one. And Corellia, I always, always stuff that. Curlia, yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. And then to Gardevoir and it grows up with the family and that's an awesome, yeah. that's an awesome and one. And Gardevoir EX is so cool, so sparkly. Amazing, beautiful card. And then you've got the Charizard, starts off with the Charmander with the little kid that's and then right. it grows up. I love the d- yeah. the d- different perspective ones as well, where you see there's the Charizard battling. Oh, Mewtwo. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's wild how they did that. Like yeah, they weren't revealing cool. the other angle. Mm. And then, oh, oh, look, there is a Mewtwo card with the other angle. Yeah. People were requesting that card. Like I saw on Twitter when that original Charizard came, like, oh, this is cool, but I want the other angle. And Pokemon were like, all right, we'll just make the other angle. Yeah. We'll put it in the set. It's amazing what they've done. I mean, you've got the uh, the gold series. Yeah. Um, from Crown Zenith yep. with the uh, Arceus, Palkia, Dialga, and then Giratina. Yeah. And then apparently you're supposed to invert the Giratina. So it's upside down, crawling up. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, out of the new set, you've got, uh, I'm going to ruin the name here, the spider. The Out of the new set? Yeah. Uh, spider Ops? Oh, uh, Spit Ops? Spit Ops. Yeah, yeah. Spit Ops and then his... Um, Lesser evolution. I don't know. You throw, you throw a new Scarlet and Violet out there. I was throwing a new Scarlet and Violet out. But, you know, that creates one picture. And Scythe is sort of in the middle trying to cut the line oh, between the... Yeah, 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 yeah really, exactly really cool. Yep. Really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like what they're doing. I think they're making it more fun. It is a lot of fun. So are the games. The games are amazing. I right? mean, as a kid, I wished for an open world Pokemon game. Oh, I, I know if like eight-year-old Ando saw what was yeah. going on now, just lose his mind. Lose so his cool. mind. I'm at the opposite end of that. Yeah. 
I hate the games to open. because I no, I love the open world. I want a Pokemon game for me, like for an adult, not a child. What does that involve? Heavy cussing, violence? <laughs> not, not so much the violence, but I, like, I don't want to be a, a young kid running around. I want to be the the thirty year old yeah. that's grown up and. You want the storyline yeah. of the guy that spent his whole life not worrying about Pokemon and worrying about making it in the corporate world, yeah. and then finally, when he's financially free to get rid of the shackles. <laughs> Yeah, of capitalism, right. yep. he's decided to fulfill his dream as a Pokemon trainer and set off in the wild. I mean, this sounds like something we should be pitching Nintendo. <laughs> here, right? I know that like they're obviously going to make it for the masses, but it's like maybe they just make a slightly older version one. Yeah, more mature one. I yeah. think I see that because there's so many. There's so many. Well, you know, we grew up with Pokemon, but yeah. it's like, those games are not pitched for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still play them, but exactly. I think they tr- they they do their best to skew to everyone. So mm. a lot of people do think it should be like older. Some people think it should be easier or harder. Yeah. Um, but they they get right in the middle and and they play it really well. They haven't changed the formula too much yeah. and it still works super well. I think give credit where credit's due. It's an open world Pokemon game. I, I really don't care how buggy it is. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of oh, it. Oh, some of those bugs are wild. And crazy. I remember playing it like, uh, I think New Year's Eve, like playing a bunch of friends like that. And this is insane. Yeah. Like I'm running through a wall or something. It's yeah. nuts. But I, I just love the fact that that's the direction they're going. Right. That's what little Michael wanted. Yeah. That's what Mick wanted to play. Yeah. Um, when and, and dreamed of. Yeah. So step in the right direction. The artwork that's coming out around the same time now. Yeah. Uh, with the cards and the games. Yep. So you can really appreciate that part of it. Perfect. Only thing I'm going to say, not like Nintendo are going to listen to my podcast, but if you are, your starters were lackluster. <laughs> you don't like Fue Coco? <laughs> my man's throwing it back in every artwork. He is fantastic. I love Fue Coco. Yeah, yeah. But we, when we he turns into Skelleridge? Skelly Skellidurge? Yeah, what's wrong with Skelly Come on, man. Too much? What's going on? He's got like a Wario moustache over himself oh. <laughs> and a little bird on his head. And yeah, yeah. He's trying to work out who he is. All you right. Know, he's going so we need to get his... Michael job at the graphics department at Pokemon. Start really yep, sketching. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Contact it? my people. Oh, <laughs> two main Pokemon. They've got wheels and don't use them. Oh, the Maridon and Caridon. I sort of like the storyline with them. Yeah, I, I thought that was done well. I think but it's they, cool that you get the legendary at the start. Yeah. Like, All right, here you go. You get a taste of it. But yeah. you know, legendary used to mean something. And now that it's like... So now yeah, it's a Harley just, Davidson. You don't yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just going to ride it. Like, <laughs> no, big, no big thing. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. There yeah. is a story to that. Okay. And and there is a reason why you can only ride them. Oh, in the game. Yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, in the game. Yeah. And, and people that have played it will appreciate that and, and why it is in this weakened state. Um, Sam's yeah. sitting here going, I've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you, Sam. You can play the game Thank you. and Thank enjoy you yourself. Going back to Pokemon though, Ando, yeah. and collecting Pokemon and loving Pokemon, what advice do you give to people out there that are wanting to start with collecting Pokemon again? Maybe they've done it as a kid. I get this a lot when they come into the store. And they'll come in and go, man, I used to collect Pokemon as a kid. Now I've got a kid that's into Pokemon and I want to get into it with him. Where should we start? The brand new, the latest set, because it's going to be the easiest to come by. It's going to be the cheapest at the time. And it's going to be the most fun because everyone else is collecting it as well. So I like, I do, I've done this recently for a video. I'd always recommend like you come to the, the Mayhem Collectibles, you buy a binder and you buy a couple of boost packs of the brand new set and then go from there. So then whether that's like, you're then going to build out the entire set in that binder or whether you get a couple of really nice hits out your boosters you got and decide, no, nope, the set's not for me. What's the one before this? Like Silver Tempest. Let me buy a couple of boosters of that. Maybe you like that set. Um, and then maybe you don't like collecting sets. You like collecting the shiny EX cards 
and just enjoy what you find, like Crown Zenith here and there. Uh, but always like the more modern stuff is where you start. And then when you really fall in love with it, that's when you start to go deeper and further back into the catalog, you get into the more expensive sets, um, cooler artwork, you research on eBay. But all I'm going to say is like, don't worry about that because it happens naturally. Yeah. So you naturally fall in love. You naturally want to go to eBay and look these prices and these cards up. So you start at the brand new stuff and you come into a shop or just buy a binder and a few packs of cards. And if you really get into it, you really get into it. Yeah. I always say that. And I reckon that's a great piece of advice. And it, it mimics what I say. I say, just enjoy the journey. Mm. Don't worry so much about the destination that's yet. The thing, yeah. Don't because stress. I mean, you know, you can, you can go straight there if you want. If you want to throw enough money at it, you can get this, you know, you can get the collection that you want pretty easily jumping on eBay and going to auction houses and what have you. But just enjoy the journey mm -hmm. and where it takes you. Yeah. Listen to content creators. I always recommend your channel. I appreciate it. But get as involved as you can be with understanding how much of it is actually out there. Mm. And then find what you like, you know. And sometimes people come from a pure investment standpoint and they just look at the sealed product or they look at, you know, they're always asking, is this card going to go up? Is this card going to go up? Yeah, that's never been my lane. And, like, yeah. I think uh, it's always so fascinating speaking to people like that. You're like, oh, that's not the way I look at collecting. So it's always interesting. Um, whether you, for what category you fall into, like opening for fun or like you're trying to do like profit and loss on like every card. It's interesting. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's funny. And you get those, you get people from both ends mm -hmm. of the spectrum. Yeah. Me, I cannot have sealed product in front of me. Yeah. I can't do it, man. I think you naturally fall into both. You're going yeah. to run your store, but you also have to open as many as possible. I know, I know. And, it, you know, it sort of takes me back to this stuff needs to be enjoyed as well, man. Mm -hmm. Like it, it can't just, will be for the dollars and cents and yeah oh, no you know a, a lot of the stuff is a great investment a great investment piece or in great investment pieces but you know you know as well as i do i mean we opened a base set booster box here so yeah that's that was a wild day that, that was, was a, that was nuts i remember the whole time opening the seal i was like oh let this be a black triangle would be the coolest thing in the world then when, yeah. when it wasn't i was like oh oh well we get to open the boosters now it's like, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly i was actually surprised about how many hits we got out of it we got heaps didn't we we, we did. doubled up in the dinosaur or something we yeah we so we doubled up on Chansey we doubled up on Clefairy we doubled up on Venusaur. Gosh, we good. Um, yeah, and you know what was crazy <laughs> about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hit pretty much every single hollow in that set besides Charizard. Mm. It, I know, I know. I was waiting for that Charizard on the final pack. I was like, this has to be it. No yep. Charizard. Oh, no way. You got a nine tails. I remember that. Yep. You pulled a nine tail. So red. everyone thought. Yeah, everyone thought it was red. It was hollow. It was a heavy pack. Uh, it's, in, it's in the other one. <laughs> the memories. Down the, down the bottom. Yeah, there, so there's a there's a sealed base set box uh, right behind us as we speak and Michael's ready to just jump on and open it, I reckon. Oh, my gosh. He thinks I about it every day. Yeah, I do think about it every day I bet and you I have to learn some self-control. But then like right next to the base set box is a PSA case that we've cracked open with some pliers to, yes. to open up the Neo booster pack that was inside. Yes. And there's nothing in there. It was, oh, no. it was a regular round. I replaced that, by the way. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I replaced it with a, with a PSA 10 Lugia. Nice, nice, nice. still remember Mick's reaction to that. Just oh. go. <laughs> I remember like Michael's in the background jumping around. He's like, yeah, we did it. We opened it. What did we get? And I was like, nah, it's a regular no, round. No, yeah, man. No. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We had someone that watched that video mm. that came into the store and said, where is that card? I want to buy it. Oh, really? Yep. Did you sell it? Yeah, we did. No way. Yeah. No, 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 no. I actually didn't. I actually didn't. I, didn't. Oh, I gave it? it away. Oh, no. Nice. I gave it away. Yeah, because yeah. it had your signature on it too. And oh, it was a massive so fan. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I give away five. What far a too legend. Much. I give away five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the fun part about coming into mayhem. You don't know like what's going to happen. I always get 
I always get uh, customers come in here and they're like, did we miss Ando? Is Ando out the back hiding somewhere? Can you yeah. drag him out? I'm in the granny flat out the back, guys. <laughs> yeah, we just keep him locked. Yeah, I'm in my cage. I get let out every Sunday <laughs> yeah. for trade day. That's it. 100%. But yeah. we get a lot of uh, a lot of customers, a lot of families come in and I'll usually always chip them some, um, you know, Ando sleeves, some unlisted leaf sleeves and oh, stuff like so that so they don't feel like they've missed out too bad. No, I love I love coming in here. I love like meeting everyone. Everyone's so positive in here and it's like it's, it's like a home away from home. You come in here, you're like a little family as well. Yeah, it is. I, you know, one thing I'm like super proud of is the community that we've created here. Yeah. I think it's one of the most supportive and inclusive communities that you can be a part of. Mm. Um, you know, we've got a, a we've got our regulars and people that are always going to rock up to trade days, but the way in which the kid space is always growing and that collector space is always growing. And then we've got our, you know, our older collectors that will come here specifically on a trade day just to help them out. Yeah. Just so that no one's getting taken advantage of and they can learn and it's in a very safe sort of space. And the parents can learn while they sit back and, and have a coffee and chill for yeah. a little bit. So No, I love that. I want to get back to the opportunities that being a creator in this space has afforded you. And I need to ask you the question that, most people would probably want to ask you mm. what is the craziest experience that being a pokemon creator has afforded you in your life so far to be honest it's probably like the most recent uh trip that i went on when i went to dubai to meet one of the i honestly think he might be the world's biggest pokemon card collector like just full stop yeah i went to visit dubsy and i don't know how many of you guys know about dubsy but if you type it in on instagram he has the craziest pokemon card collection i've physically seen in my entire life like i've seen some pretty wild collections but like this takes the cake and just going to dubai meeting like uh meeting him getting invited back to his uh his house and seeing all of these cards the whole time i was like this is not real this is not real he just handed me a pikachu illustrator He's like, yep, got the got that one. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is this is alone pretty cool that it's a PSA 9 Pikachu Illustrator. He goes, yeah, so that's the one that Logan Paul gave me when I traded him uh, my PSA 10 Pikachu Illustrator. So Logan gave me the PSA 9 and $4 million cash. And I was like, oh, cool. No worries. This is Logan Paul's old one. Then he whips out Tropical Mega Battle trophy cards, like all of them. He's got the medals. He's got Pokemon Snap cards. He's got other things. He's got such a crazy collection that... He's like bought things that I wasn't allowed to talk about or show. So he'd like show me things. And he's like, oh, like that can't be revealed yet. Like he has some crazy stuff that wow. I don't know if the general public will ever like, hopefully we'll get to see, but like it's nuts. And that whole time I was in Dubai, I felt like it's no longer could you ever call YouTube a job because this is the most coolest experience I've ever had. So I think that takes the cake for me. There's other ones that like I've always wanted to do a red carpet and I got to do the Avengers red carpet. I've wow. always wanted to be on, yeah, I'm going to be on Disney Channel um so personal things like that for me were really really exciting um but for the pokemon card world it was easily that dubai trip it was nuts and from a personal standpoint mm. do you feel like you've accomplished what you've wanted to accomplish so far in this space yeah that's a, that's such an interesting one isn't it so i think i've definitely checked all the goals off i've had like when i first started youtube i always wanted 100,000 subscribers got that and then when i i always wanted like a million subscribers after i had 100,000 got the million and then after a million it's like oh it would be impossible to get two. If I could do that, it'd be sick. You get two million subscribers. Um, but I think as well, like as you grow, the hunger for like doing even better keeps growing as well. So I'm like missing the 10 million subscriber block. That would be like my dream to be able to one day get that. But it's such a it's such an out there thing to try and like want. So oh, I got to work really hard and chase that one. That's probably my next thing. I think I've I think I've checked all the boxes, but I'm still like super keen to 
keep going and seeing what else is out there. Absolutely. Do you think 10 million is achievable within the realm of Pokemon? Yeah, it's 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 100. percent So like, I always got this. Uh, I got I always got this answer when I said I want to hit a million subscribers, but I also want to keep doing Pokemon. Everyone's like, Nah, you've hit the roof. So mm. when I had 500,000 subscribers, I've hit the roof. There's no more Pokemon card. Uh, people that are keen to subscribe to your channel, you're not going to grow because of that reason. You could be really entertaining. And I was like, that's such a lie. I, I talk to anyone they know Pokemon. And all that means to me is like, my channel is not general enough. It's like too niche. So I just need to be more incorporating of like a person that doesn't know as much. So make sure I'm not using lingo that only card collectors know, make sure I'm talking more in a general sense. Mm-hmm. So I found the bigger I got, the more like inclusive I just have to be of my audience. And that opens the doors to growing your channel. So I think there is room to be like a 10 million subscriber Pokemon card channel. You just have to be more inclusive of 10 million people. You want that extra 8 million people to feel the want to subscribe without feeling alienated. It is very easy to make people feel alienated in Pokemon cards. You can be like using all these weird terms and people don't want to watch them. I don't understand it. But if you just like, yeah, like this is what, this is the chase card guys. This is why, why are they, this is why it's really popular. This is what they want at the moment. Um, People like will subscribe. So yeah, I think, I think you can get to 10 million. Just take some thinking. Because that's the hardest thing. And I definitely respect where you're coming from because when you are in a niche space and Pokemon for as big as it is, it's a global brand, probably one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Yeah, right next to Hello Kitty, I think. Absolutely. But it is still niche in the sense of how many people collect it and then how many people watch it Mm. or digest it as as part of their media Mm. online. Whereas most other channels that have achieved 10 million plus subscribers and what have you, it's about a personality. Yeah. It's about that person and their experiences or mm. wanting to hear that person's thoughts on a particular matter. Yeah. Not something so niche. Mm. So there would be a very few or select amount of creators specific to an industry or a, a product yeah. that would achieve that. But I honestly feel like if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because I work hard. You know, we've sort of spoken and you've given me these crazy stories over dinner about the people that you've met, you know, and the personalities that you've met Mm. that you would never know would be into Pokemon. Yeah, it's nuts. Can you you share any stories with us about people that you would never have guessed that would have been into Pokemon that reached out to you and said, hey, Ando, talk to me about Pokemon, man. I'm loving this. Are you thinking it in particular? I can't think of too many off the top of my head. Well, I know Logan Paul's a big one. He does. Yeah, he that, loves his Pokemon. That was a nuts one. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much I can share, but like, yeah, Logan Paul is like so into Pokemon cards, and I always, I was like skeptical, like everyone else. But I think everyone was like, oh, I don't know how like into Pokemon cards he actually is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he like followed me on Instagram and like sent me a message asking a really like it's like a really really niche question about a base set booster box. I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like, like no one that frauds like their knowledge about Pokemon knows about like these types of questions. And I was answering and I was like, this is fantastic. And then I bought into like his base set box. I got all his cards graded with CGC and got a little like pedigree put on the back. Like these used to be Logan Paul's cards. And when I sent that picture to him, he sent me, sent me back a message. And it was like a heartfelt paragraph. Like this is going to go down in history. Like I'm so grateful you did this. This is fantastic. And then... (laughs) He's added me to this like inbox on Instagram and like the cards that he was opening while like this inbox was happening. There was a few other like, creators in there. Bonkers. Like I could not believe my eyeballs. And like that to me, because I never feel like I'm the big creator. I always feel like I'm the really small creator and I was hanging out with all these like crazy famous YouTubers. Yeah. But like some of the cards that he was opening were nuts. And he would never like talk about it. He'd never put it on Instagram. He'd just say like, oh, this is like, look what I opened tonight. Like, oh, nice. So I'd he never- does genuinely 
enjoy opening Pokemon. Yeah, so currently at the moment, don't think he's opening Pokemon cards. I don't think he's collecting at this current time. Mm-hmm. But definitely, like, we take it back a year ago, he was, like, smashing products you wouldn't believe. And it was, it's like five figures, like insane products. It's nuts. Wow. Yeah. Because that was around the time of COVID. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Yeah, so it that. was around the time of COVID. Yeah. And then there was a huge spike in Pokemon popularity. Yeah. Huge. And Pokemon prices went through the roof. And I think every single person my age was rummaging through their basements trying to find their old set of pokemon cards yeah. thinking i'm gonna cash out for an early retirement yeah i know but it was the most fun i think if i look at my channel and like some of the coolest videos i got to make were around that period because the most amount of people were getting into it and i had endless amounts of content to make like people uploading videos of finding 100 charizards in their basement this guy went up to his attic found 200 individual like holo cards from the base set and i reckon like 70 of them were charizards or something Jeez. It was awesome. Wow. So you're like having people like that. Then you had like Logan Paul getting into the TCG. Then you had like other YouTubers that saw that and then they'd get into the TCG and open Pokemon cards. Like, this is the coolest. And I and at that point had been around uh, the TCG like scene for seven years. But like, in the past like eight, seven years, this is the coolest point or the highest point I think I've ever seen it. It was really cool. And I, I've been through like Pokemon Go. You've been through Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, COVID had really just like kicked it up a notch. It did. And it made everyone feel less insecure about having collected it yeah. or collect, getting back in and collecting it again. Mm-hmm. And I think love him or hate him, Logan Paul had a massive positive influence on people not feeling a certain way about collecting Pokemon cards again. And then all of a sudden he had, you know, big names out there like Gary V. Yeah. All of a sudden talking about investing from a fiscal point of things mm. back into pokemon so you had this different level of collector that came in here with this financial acuity to look at investing in pokemon yeah and logan paul made it accessible for almost everyone to come and do it yeah i think he ignited so many people's passion because he made such a good like video to start with and that like inspired a lot of people to get collecting again they all know the charizard uh, and like they might have one in in their collection they definitely recognize it so him making that video just kicked up the perfect storm, being COVID as well. I think there was like a thing in America, they all got like a bit of extra money from the government. So people had this bit of extra money they didn't quite know what to do with because it wasn't enough to go and do something with. I think it was a couple hundred dollars, but yep. they wanted to spend it. And like that encouraged them to, oh, I'll buy a booster box of Pokemon cards. Yeah. And yeah, it was just the perfect, it was so many things lined up to be the perfect storm in that point in time of the year. Yeah. And I think Pokemon knew that too. And they've ridden the wave. Yeah, perfectly. but they weren't prepared for it. There they was, not, there was no. a huge shortage. <laughs> there like was we, a massive shortage. We do forget about this, but there was <laughs> yeah. a point where getting cards were impossible. Yes. It was very hard. Yeah. Um, but we were past that now. There's heaps of cards. We got a, a, When I went to America recently, went to a Target, full stock. Like They've got a lot better. They're using multiple printing plants to print Pokemon cards now. Yep. As before, I think it was like just one or maybe a couple. Now it's a lot more. Have you been able to collaborate directly with Pokemon? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Pokemon, people at Pokemon and their PR department and all that, they're fantastic individuals and they live and breathe it. Like they love Pokemon next That's level. Awesome. And they have their like eyes on the scene as well. They're so aware of what's going on on the internet. So yeah, sometimes you get messages from like them and they're like very like, oh, they, they're aware of like what's going on in the scene. So yeah, yeah and how to work with them, but they're always, um, we'll send you the booster box, but they're really nice about it. They're like, you don't want to open it on camera, just open it for yourself. We just want you to enjoy the new set. And you're like, oh, I really appreciate that. That's I'm going to awesome. open it on camera. I'm a YouTuber, but I really appreciate you sending out the product. They're like never pushy. They're probably the best company ever and super grateful that 
yeah, they want to keep working. Let's get a petition going for Ando to be an NPC in the next game. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a pretty generic one, like brown, <laughs> brown hair, like, yeah, yeah. What a trainer card. Yeah, well, ugh, it really... My, my biggest achievement in Pokemon cards was when they made the uh, deck for the 2019 Pokemon World Championships. Yes. And the booklet that comes in the deck, my photo was in the book. That's sick. And that was a legitimate product that was around the world. And like in my head, I was like, I'm in a Pokemon card product. And that to me, icing on the cake, that's my I made it moment. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, wow. if you could tell Little Lando I was in a Pokemon card product, like that's, I've made it. So that to me, like, I don't even need a trainer card. Like that was my full stop. I was like, I was in a retail product. So I bought a case of that and I have a case like displayed in my house. I was like, well, guys, if we open up one of these boxes in the book, my photo's there. <laughs> I know it's 50 layers deep, but it's in there and it's the coolest thing I've ever done. Yep. But no, I, to, a, to a non-Pokemon card collector, couldn't care less. Like, that means nothing. But to me, that means the world. Do you watch the Pokemon series? Uh, so like, not really. Not up to date. I'll like, mm. I'm Because I think I'm on the internet a lot. I see all the clips from the newer episodes. So I'm very like oh, hyper aware of like, what's going on in the TV show. But don't tune in too often. But I think I'm going to have to, seeing as it's ending now. Yes. Got a moral obligation to tune into That's the show how and I feel about see, it as well. see how it's ending. I mm. saw how it started. Let me see how it ended. And if it's really good, then we go and watch the middle part, which is about 25,000 episodes long. And that's the big thing. I started with Kanto. Oh. I feel like the finale or that, that, that scene where Ash becomes uh, world champion yeah. was the perfect finish for me. Absolutely. I watched the episode firstly in Japanese. Yeah, you really, you're that, that early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. cool. yeah. I heard about it and I thought, you know what, I just really wanted to watch it. I'd heard really good things. Yeah. I think they did it absolute justice. Even watching it in Japanese, man, mm. I was just like, this is perfect. Yeah. It's a full it. circle moment. It's I a full that. circle moment. Yeah. They did it so well. Yeah. And now, from what I'm understanding, Ash is no longer the main protagonist. Pikachu is no longer uh, front and center. He will have a part. He's got a little outfit on now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah, like he's a, a little outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, yeah. aeroplane outfit. Yeah, I think. he's got the little get up. That's he's it. got the little get up. Yeah. Um, and, and that really sort of ushers in that end of the era, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. You I know? think it's weird closing a chapter like that because it's been going so long, but it's good. I think, as I said, Scarlet and Violet's Pokemon Company, I think, means a lot of a new start. So both TCG and video game and the uh, anime. So I think they're trying to, every element's going to be like, all right, fresh start, let's keep this alive, let's keep it going. Otherwise, it'll just become stagnant. So I'm surprised it took them that long. I think I a, lot of, a lot of people were, but a lot mm. of people were attached to it. You see yeah. how much like fan reactions pouring out every time one of the final episodes was airing in Japan. It'd be like trending all over on Twitter. So. Well, I mean, Ash has always been synonymous with Pokemon. Mm -hmm. You know, he started his journey and oh, that boy's ageless. I know, <laughs> 10 years old forever. Yeah, man. Moist, good yeah. moisturizer. Yeah, but that's it's sort it. of like you know, it's sort of like taking away Homer as part of the Simpsons. Mm. Obviously, not that comical relief, but such a staple. Yeah, of mm. what it was mm -hmm. and the brand and everything Pokemon yeah. has in, in my head anyway, especially at my age, has always got Ash and Pikachu. Yeah, I know? agree. It's uh, it's nuts. But then you know what I did recently? I started to look into how many Ash and Pikachu. Pokemon cards are out there. Yeah. Not a great deal. Not a great deal. Considering how much like it's synonymous. Not that many Ash and Pikachu cards. Especially are out there. in English. 
Oh, even worse. Because I think one of the last cards was the Japanese one in that Team Rocket like crossover deck. Correct. And like, yeah, before then, I mean, yeah, not that many. Barely anything. A lot of stickers and things like that. Yeah. But never really a never really a card. That blows my mind. But it a huge, does. So I think Pokemon very separate the anime, TCG, and video games in their mind. Mm. Yet Charizard seems to oh, just be He's free falling. You know? He goes outside the he goes outside everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah. So what has been the most fun video that you've filmed or that you've got to film and a really good question to be honest um most fun video i reckon it was when i got invited to the detective pikachu yellow carpet in tokyo so when they did the movie yeah they did like a movie premiere in tokyo and they're like oh and they're like i think me jacksepticeye and like uh megan strawberry 17 yep were chosen to fly out to tokyo and walk this yellow carpet uh, and Ryan Reynolds was there and I got to put Catherine Newton and Justice Smith, the two main characters in a video and like they were, yeah, in a video and we got to tour around Japan. I got to find all these old cards. We had a Pokemon tour guide that drove us around on a bus and stopped at these stores and Warner Brothers would show us like the different sites. Um, and that was so sick. Like that whole trip, I, yeah, it was the coolest thing in the world. I couldn't believe I was there because I I feel like, again, it's a little kid, a little kid that just yeah. started YouTube and I did not know why I was there, but I thought, this is so cool. So that was probably one of the, my favorite videos to make. And ironically, didn't do that well, like 70, 80,000 or something. And Who cares, at man? The time, that I was moment like, oh, was no. for you. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So, Where's your favorite place to film videos? Or location around the world. Mayhem Collectibles. Eh? Yeah, is that the answer? That was the answer yeah, I was yeah. looking for. Throws Hook, the rod <laughs> and sinker. <laughs> well, I mean, Perfect. it's it's crazy because it's afforded you such an opportunity to travel the globe. Yeah. And you've gone to some amazing places. I mean, you're in Hawaii not long ago. Yeah. You've been in LA. Yeah. You've been in Dubai. And this is all in the space of a couple of months. Yeah, I know. Been you've <laughs> been to Japan a couple of times or a yeah. handful of times now. Yeah. Is Adelaide honestly the best place to film videos? uh and to well to me i've got a bit of a bias answer yeah I've only always grown up here so i know the spots that i feel comfortable recording i know where i so like why adelaide has been so good to me is because i know exactly where to go to get content so like if i wake up and i need to film uh a vending machine video i know exactly where the vending machines i want to record yeah if i wake up and i need to record i go to like a, a supermarket store to buy pokemon cards I know the right supermarkets I want to record in, the ones that aren't filled with people, like they're quieter. So for me, it's very easy to film in Adelaide because I'm aware mm. of like what's quiet and what's going to let me film. Because people are very still like anti about filming in public. So they'll kick you out of places or they're not like happy with you taking pictures. So in my head, I've got a good list of places I can go and record. And that's why Adelaide's probably up there as one of the best. But then as like exotic locations go, Japan like takes the cake. Like, yeah. It's not even funny. The card stores there are just next level. And the Japanese culture is that they take care of secondhand products and older things. So it's not like they throw it under the bed, dent the card, forget about it. Their culture is like keep it as nice as possible. And then if they do sell it at the secondhand shop, you've got this like pristine condition cards. So going into these like, uh, they're called mendrakes and like going into those shops and they have these cards. They're all just great condition, like ridiculously rare cards. They've just kept really nice like care of them. And just seeing that for the first time, when I went to Tokyo, it was like the best experience ever. And when you watch the video back, you get quite sad because like, oh, that was a grand party for 20 bucks. Cool. Like, <laughs> nice. Definitely uh, should have learned more Pokemon cards before I went there first time. That's always the case though with Japan. Yeah. Isn't it? it keeps going. Every time you go back, like Pokemon cards get more and more expensive. So, but they got, yeah, they got gems. That's my favorite place. And also like uh, Pokemon Go over there. Everyone's playing Pokemon Go. So yeah. you can record Pokemon Go videos in the most weird location. 20 people ready to raid. 
don't know where they are, but like they're ready to go. Really? Yeah, it was well, yeah, really, really fun. So would you say that Japan has the best Pokemon culture? Yeah, for sure. But it's also separate to English. Because mm. like they're, as you said, they're anime, different like voice actors. Yeah. Like, it's, so like they're great at loving Pokemon, but they love like their Pokemon. And they're fascinated by our English TCG. So when I go into card shops, it's like all Japanese cards. And then there's little glass cabinet and it's got all a couple of like English booster boxes. Wow. But they're like really expensive. And you talk to the shop owner and he's like, oh, yeah, that's like, that's the really rare English stuff. Like we only open that on a good day. All right. And I was like, oh, okay. I can go and bring that from like Adelaide for like 80 bucks if you really want it. I didn't realize it was that rare here. Yeah. But they love it. Like, they think it's so cool. This like English TCG. Isn't that um, crazy? Yeah. And they got heaps of Japanese stuff. I just wish people would like the Japanese openings more because not because er- I think here in uh, here in like I guess the rest of the world not everyone like enjoys collecting Japanese stuff because they yeah. can't read the card. Uh, but it's just so much fun. The artwork's still just as good, if not better. Yeah. Oh, the quality's better. For if sure. not better, the quality's better. I love the trainers. Yeah. And what they're able to do with them. Um, I think overall the culture outside of Japan is going to be hard to replicate. But which other country do you think does it the best? You've been to you've been to the Middle East. Mm. You've been to North America. Mm. You've been you know you, you live in Australia. So which country likes which, Pokemon the most? Which country do you think the Pokemon culture is the best in? Do we do it well as Australians compared to the Americans? You know what's so funny that we do we do it extremely well. So yeah. I think we love Pokemon on just as much as America, but America beats us because like their population is so much bigger. Yeah, of course. The amount of people that love Pokemon there is just mind blowing. Like, the, oh my gosh, some of just these conventions. Scale. Yeah. You go to these, some of these conventions, you're like, this would never happen in Australia, but it's so cool what's happening here. Um, but I think our love for it is exactly the same as America. Like so many people here love it. We just don't have enough people here to compare to how many people love it over there. Um, and even Canada as well. Like they mm. love Pokemon too. Because you've had a more intimate view than most people would uh, be afforded to because you've collabed with a lot of American mm. YouTubers and creators over there to see what you know their collections look like yeah and obviously you know yeah we're a little jealous we never got the first editions here like they did over there what are their collections like compared to the collections that you've seen here that's an interesting question so I think yeah I I think it's very similar so for Mm -hmm. the average collector very much the same the average collector here in Australia is exactly the same as the average collector in America but then in America there's like a couple of these like high tier collectors that I've been to like when you go to their house, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like they've been collecting since they were not even a kid. Like they were collecting when they were a teenager in their twenties, and they have every box in both unlimited and first edition stacked on top of each other. And they got all the sets done, all the Yu-Gi-Oh sets, both unlimited first edition done, all the singles. Then you go to other people's houses, they collect like uncut sheets, they got booster boxes. And but in saying that, like there's heaps of high end collectors in America. I've met one or two people that compete with these high ends in Australia. Really? Yeah. So Australia have like, I just think that Australians don't talk about it as much. Yeah. Funny that. Yeah. A lot of, I think there's probably more American collectors out there that are willing to publicize their collection here in Australia. So many people keep it reserved, but we do have like a lot of bigger collectors as well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't it funny though, that when you're on these panels, with people in America and these English creators. They're all from the Americas and then there's Ando repping, repping oh, Australia. It's so bad. They don't understand my accent. <laughs> I was like, I, I get, I like went to Hawaii at the beginning of the year and I was getting so thirsty. I was like, I went up to one of the event coordinators. Can I have a water bottle? What are you saying? It's like, water bottle. What? What? Like, I don't understand. I had to get one of my American friends to like come over here and I was like, 
can you ask for a water bottle? They don't understand my American, uh, my Australian accent. Yeah. The American accent says water bottle way different and they could not understand me at all. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, it's like water bottle. Can I please have one? <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, so it's yeah, it's pretty wild going there and um, hearing all the different accents, but it shows how, how internationally loved Pokemon is. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to ask you a question that, and, and I touched on this before talking about how kids these days will want to be creators and streamers mm. and, you know, you can go down to JB Hi-Fi and buy a streamer bundle or a, yeah. a, a creator bundle yeah. and, and it's under most kids' Christmas trees as presents. Yeah. It's the thing that you're buying them on birthdays. That and RGB everything. Yeah, and right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what advice can you give to these young wannabe creators or creators my age that are just starting out about having success in this space? Yeah, I think, so I think to have success in the space, you need to actually be passionate about what you're creating and like doing YouTube or TikTok or whatever you want to be doing. So I think if you're not like, oh, I want to do it because I want to get rich, like it's not going to work out because you're chasing like the wrong end of the stick. You're going to be chasing like content because you really enjoy making content. And that's like, because that's how I started. All I wanted to do was like make the funniest videos and get like two more people to be watching my home movies than like the, my family that were already watching them. So if you come from a place of like, I just want to like this weekend, I want to make the coolest video possible. And even if that means like getting out the old iPhone 4 and that's what you're recording on, like just go for it that way. I think just come with it as a perspective of you're going to have fun making the videos and nothing else you'll be ultimately successful at the end of the day because you'll have so much fun making that, you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And then eventually you've made like 10 videos and then you made like 20 and one of them might work out, get a couple hundred views. Then you'll start to get a feel of what your audience likes as well. Then you make another 30 and then you made 50 videos. Mm -hmm. And like that's how the snowball effect works and that's how YouTube becomes the job at the end of the day. Um, but if you're in a place like, I want to make money, you're not... It's like YouTube set up. You're not going to make money at the start. It's not a get rich quick. It's not. Yeah. It's no way. And if it is, like, it's, it'll dry up pretty fast. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think come from a place of enjoying content creation. And it's very easy and fun to do it at the moment with TikTok and YouTube short. The barrier to entry is very low. When you say barrier to entry is very low, mm. what you're, uh, I guess, referring to is the amount of cross-reference you have to garner an audience or attract an audience now. You can use TikTok, you can use Instagram. There's so many more mediums out there. Absolutely. It's never been a better time to start. So I think it's always daunting before TikTok or YouTube shorts, maybe, because like you had to make a 10-minute YouTube video that outdid everyone else's 10-minute YouTube video, which means good editing like mm. pretty big budgets nowadays for these videos um and like even if the camera quality wasn't too high like the camera quality had to be there to compete with these other videos so now with tiktok everyone has a vertical iphone and you can grow an audience there and that's the base that can then that audience can move to youtube but then you can start doing youtube videos or like you can move it uh to wherever you want to be posting um and there's so many platforms that are willing to push your content even snapchat now like they're doing vertical videos that are pushing to heaps of people so there's so many avenues for you to go down and grow organically and uh, just with one iPhone and like creative ideas. They don't have to be that creative. It's just you having fun. That might be really interesting to someone else. So just be recording that. Like trade, you're doing a cool trade at the store. Like I think to a lot of people, they don't have a store to go to. So mm. that's why like this content's really fun. Um, and yeah, something that you think is mundane might be really interesting to someone else. It's funny you say that too, because I was, I was picking your brain a little while ago about content and what you think what you think makes good content and mm. you said something along the lines of you could have uh, you could film an episode of just harley and what it's like working in a card shop yeah you know for a shift 
or just just the basic things that we do I that think are people mundane. Would be fascinated. Like yeah. imagine working in a, a Pokemon card store nine to five. Like imagine yeah. that's your job. That's wild to think about. So, it's crazy. But yeah. I would have never have thought about it mm. had you said it. I, yeah, because it's just like that, that's so odd to a lot of people. So, and then and that's what TikTok's great for the day in the life sort of stuff. Um, the day in the life. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I enjoy watching those. Yeah. And, and you said before, uh, and I guess I'll go back to it organically, grow it organically. Mm. You can't, and Sam touched on that too, it's not a get rich quick thing. It's you have to put in the work, you have to just keep on going. It's yeah. not going to be after 10 videos or 20 videos, it's most likely going to be you know, 50 plus. Yeah. So you have, you have to put in the work, but I think doing it from the right place, it'll never feel like work. Yeah. It'll always feel like you want to do the next video. So for me, I'm still so excited to chuck up new content on TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube Shorts, YouTube, because I want to see the reaction. Mm. I don't chuck it up because I have to chuck it up. I, like, I think it's so much fun to go and make that new bit of content because I want to see what the audience is going to think. So if it's coming from the right place, it'll never feel like work. And I never once have called it work like all right honey i'm off to work now yeah. i've never once said that it's, yeah oh, i'm gonna call this like i'm gonna call this really fun video of me going to the store and buying pokemon cards yeah that's just like a day in the life yeah. but don't be discouraged if you're not getting to where you want to be after 10 videos or 20 videos yeah just keep keep doing it like it'll maybe take a thousand videos to get one that does like 200 300 views but then hey like that's that's maybe your niche that's what you're good at so yeah. like do another one of those and then go from there see what happens trial yeah. and error if you don't like that niche like go with whatever you're having fun with there's so much advice out there whether you listen to the largest youtubers in the world like your mr beast mm. and whatnot and what works for them and to be successful and you can take tidbits of information from them and you know yep okay that's really good and that's why i know that there's so much emphasis on a thumbnail and oh, yeah. you know things like that yeah. but at the end of the day i think you broke it down perfectly it's about having fun it's about constant improvement yeah and it's about just getting the content out there. Yeah, I think uh, as long as you're as long as you're like making making videos, you're doing the right thing. You like you've moved one step up the ladder. So just yeah, take that first step. Because a lot of people don't. A lot of people always think about it, never do it. And yeah, you could you could be the next big thing just by like uploading the most random video. I've seen some of those random content go so viral and like kickstart careers. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to wrap it up. Awesome. Ando, thank you so much, man. It is oh, always thank you. a pleasure. I really appreciate it. It is always a pleasure. Guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. No doubt Ando is going to be back on the couch soon with some more burning questions. I'm saying I'm returning for the 200th uh, episode, guys. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hopefully we can get him back before then. <laughs> <laughs> Got a few. Got a few. Yeah, yeah. Ando, thank you, my man. No worries. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me, guys. I really had fun and hopefully open a few more booster packs in the store, eh? Done, man. See what full we can get. For sure. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, follow us on social media to stay up to date on all of the latest Mayhem news. We love hearing from you guys. So if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes or content, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know. Thanks again for listening. See you on the next one.